0: Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, the Federation welcomes you. Follow station protocols and enjoy your visit, Commander. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the I Think It's a Classic podcast. Again, I am your host, Tannis Gale, and with me is my co-host, John Brummer. John, how you doing?
1: I am doing good. How about you?
0: I am doing really well. Super excited about today's episode because it's another album that I will just say right at the top here. I know we both agree on, but uh, before we get into talking about that album, John, what have you been listening to this week or have you been to any shows?
1: I haven't been to any shows, but... Uh, things that I have been listening to over the last week. Uh, I was in an a about a week ago, and someone was listening to uh, Nickelback songs on their phone. So uh, in order to get that bad taste out of my mouth, I immediately went to my car as I was driving home and listened to uh, Doolittle by the Pixies. Because when you have something that terrible in your head, you have to do whatever you can to get it out. Also, I've been listening to, uh, and I, I have to say, I, I've i given Paragon Infinity a, a good listen. But
0: I Nonagon was listening
1: Infinity. to my favorite.
0: What? Nonagon Infinity oh, by nona, King Gizzard and nona, the Lizard Wizard. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, but I, I've been listening to Murder of the Universe a lot. And I actually think that that album is a little superior.
0: Really? You don't dig how Nanagon just starts and never stops, and you do notice how it like loops back into itself. Like you could just listen to that on a continuous loop forever.
1: Well yeah, but uh And it's I, so good I
0: I don't know that resonated I with like me so the, hard.
1: I like the storytelling in Murder of the Universe, which is so off the wall insane it, it resonated with me a little bit better.
0: It is pretty silly. I just feel like there's too many of the weird spoken word parts. Like, I I love what they're doing instrumentally on that album a whole lot. But I mean, I get why you like it. You you yeah you you really like a lot of that. I mean, and I do as well. A lot of that tongue in cheek type of silly stuff. I mean, yeah. isn't the last song on that album just a robot talking about how he's throwing up until he dies? <laughs>
1: yes pretty much (laughs) and it it is it's ridiculous but it's also so awesome and the riffage in that album is i mean the the juxtaposition between fast and slow and loud and soft and and at first when i listened to it i thought it was a poorly recorded album and now it's starting to make more sense that it isn't a poorly recorded album. It's a very well-recorded per- album. It just sounds a little different. Things are distorted that shouldn't be. And uh, today, while I was listening to it, especially, it really made sense. What have you been listening to?
0: As this podcast release isn't going to match up with the dates that we're recording this uh, the other week with a bunch of our uh, friends from Oak Harbor, um, I went to go see Danzig, and that was. Amazing, and uh, it was a great lineup. Um, Venom Incorporated uh, had, you know, opened for Danzig, you know, right before he played. But uh, before Venom Incorporated played was Power Trip and Mutoid Man opened up the whole show. And I've seen Mutoid Man, that was my third time, and, you know, Steve Brodsky fronted. Um, Oh my gosh, I'm drawing the blank on the amazing drummer from Converge and Mutoid Man.
1: Yeah. Ben Kohler. All of a sudden, I, ben Kohler. Yeah. Ben Kohler.
0: Yeah. Ben Kohler. You know, those two guys just, yeah, two, two people that I just have been listening to since my teen years and have them in a, like just this power trio of a band, like just go see Mutoid Man, everybody. That's all I have to say about that. But, um, power trip is what really surprised me. I've, I've heard of power trip, um, as, uh, now, some of you listeners will know I'm a wrestling fan. And uh, Power Trip actually had a song on an NXT pay-per-view. NXT is the best. It rules. Anyway, um, <laughs> they had a, a song on this NXT pay-per-view, and it was a lot different than the normal kind of pop new metal fair or hip-hop fair that they have as songs. Like, it was this really cool thrash metal song called uh, Swing of the Axe, The Executioner's Tax." They played, and I bought their album *Nightmare Logic* at that show, and and I am like fully in on that band. The album *Nightmare Logic* is one of the best metal albums I've heard in recent memory. Like, and I mean just straightforward metal, you know, not anything artsy or as much as I love that stuff. Like, there's just straightforward like balls to the wall thrash, and it's just so fun and so good. And I have just ah. I have I have They've
1: actually been playing a lot of power trip on Liquid Metal. I I haven't been paying attention. I should probably do that.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah, Power Trip's great. Then album Nightmare Logic. Go check it out. I have been listening to that pretty much nonstop the past 2 weeks. Like every time I get in my car it just kind of stays in there.
1: I will do that. Um it's funny that uh Danzig has Venom Incorporated on tour with them cuz they're opening the Misfit show in april that I'll, I'll be attending with our good friend jody oh are
0: you, oh cool you're gonna go see danzig misfits
1: yeah i told you that awesome
0: that's right you did tell me yeah. that i forgot yeah uh, that's awesome
1: you said you went and saw danzig and i was like oh yeah well i i uh, bought a ticket to see the misfits
0: <laughs> i already did yeah. that with you once though so i don't feel like i'm missing out on too much i'm like yeah yeah we saw the like the second one though I mean, it wasn't yeah. the first one was in Denver, but it, you know, back to back pretty much.
1: Exactly. Uh, the, the other thing I'm excited about with that show is that uh, it's Venom incorporated, then Fear, and then Misfits. And as you know, I'm a big Fear fan, so.
0: That'll be a blast.
1: It's going to be a good time.
0: Hell yeah. Well, uh, if that's all we've been up to, let's get into today's album. John, you want to let our listeners know what today's album is?
1: today's album is the well when it was should we say 2002 since that was when it was officially released or 2001 when it was supposed to be released whatever it's the 2001 2002 classic by wilco yankee hotel foxtrot
0: yankee hotel foxtrot and this is an album you introduced me to and uh why don't you let everybody know I mean my my introduction's pretty simple, simple it'll it'll come up um with one of the songs I'll talk about it but um yeah John why don't you tell us uh, how you got into this album how you discovered what has become such uh, an important piece of becoming an adult uh, I know I can well, speak actually, for both of us like this album is is that
1: Actually I was going to save my story of how I got into this album for one of the songs because it correlates pretty well with the first song that i heard um off of this album and how i heard it oh okay well but i will say i will say this um
0: was it radio cure
1: yes it was radio cure the same
0: with me that was the song Um, you showed me in your let's just talk about it right now real quick like um yeah (laughs) so who introduced i mean i'll just say yeah you introduced me to this album by saying you have to hear this song i know you don't listen to too much of this Type of music, Yeah, and you showed me Radio Cure and I was just kind of like, oh, oh, this is something different. This is this. I, I, I don't know. I hadn't. I had never heard of music like that when I figured Wilco would sound like because of what they were rela- related to in a lot of music journalism that I was reading growing up, like Rolling Stone or Inter- Entertainment Weekly. I always figured they were kind of like a rusted root or blues traveler, you know, that just kind of general college rock label that was around a lot in the 90s so it made me just be like oh well i'm not gonna enjoy that i don't care if summer teeth got four and a half or five stars or whatever they gave it that band's probably terrible because of those terms that they are involved with
1: the the funny thing about wilco is is that i i mean i was familiar with them enough that i you know knew look probably a good four or so or so songs i Had never bought an album because, you know, I didn't think that I would like outside of those four or so songs from previous albums. One was from AM and then the three others were from Summer Teeth. So when my dad showed me this, I mean, there's basically it started when we um, we went to see The Who right after john entwistle died he died a week before we saw them and you saw the who at
0: the gorge in george washington correct
1: yes we saw the who at the gorge yeah and even without john entwistle it was a fantastic show which was uh, something i was very worried about um on the way back we stopped at the tower records i think maybe in issaquah we might have gone all the way into seattle but you kind of bypass seattle when you go to the gorge from oak harbor anyway um so i can't remember where we were when we went to this tower records but we went to a tower records and that's how old the story is is that there was a tower records to go (laughs) to anyway i was really excited because another album that my dad had introduced me to which was the first peter gabriel album which i was having a fuck of a time finding because Nobody was selling it at the used record bins at used record stores, and they hadn't, re, you know, they had, uh, it had essentially gone out of print.
0: Is that the one with more on the Burgermeister? Yes. Okay.
1: So it also has, uh, Here Comes the Flood on it, which was a song my dad got me obsessed with hmm. when he showed it to me, but he showed it to me on the vinyl because he didn't have the CD because it was out of print anyway they they had just re-released all his first three albums and i was super excited to go to this tower records and get my hands on a copy of that so i could get that goddamn song out of my head because it was per it it was like permanently stuck there from the time that my dad showed it to me so while we were there he was looking at different stuff and he was listening to stuff on the listening station because that's how we used to buy records back or you know albums back then he for some reason decided to check out this album right and he bought it immediately after hearing radio cure and we got back in the vehicle and he put it on and he's like oh my god you have to hear this song this is the best song i have ever heard Hmm. and he plays it and i was like yeah that's great but i really want to listen to my cd can we get to my cd (laughs) he still tells the story that I had no interest in Wilco and that he discovered Wilco and I had never heard of Wilco before and I had never heard any of the hype based around this album and and yada, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> but that's exactly how it happened. I had a little bit more interest in, in listening to the CD I knew was going to be good rather than, you know, something brand new that I had never heard before i figured that could have waited but we ended up listening to it again and then it hit me and i was like i need to buy this album and i bought it within the next few days that's probably shortly shortly after that is when i showed it to you but you know what the fucked up thing about all this is when i was talking to phil I said, hey, have you heard Yankee Hotel Foxtrot? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's a great album. I've had it for like four months. And I'm like, motherfucker, why have you, Why didn't you share this information with me? Why didn't you say, hey, you should listen to this album. It's very good. He's like, I don't know. He just didn't.
0: Because <laughs> it sounds like something you probably, you, I mean, yeah, you probably wouldn't have liked. Because you weren't, uh, in, I you weren't into a lot of that softer stuff at the time. You were really into The Who. God, what else were you listening to? Still, I, um, I mean, I think you were still listening to some, like, hydra ish stuff. Like, I remember seeing that kind of stuff floating around the old van. Because that was still yeah, van I, times. I mean, I...
1: No... Ye, yeah, that was just before... That was about six months before I got rid of the, the van.
0: Yeah, so... So,
1: yeah, um... Mean, I, at that time, I cave in um botch
0: the lima was still pretty new
1: yeah yeah a lot of murder city devils but uh yeah i mean i i guess you know i I, the the thing i've realized over the years is that a lot of family members and friends and people that i meet they seem to think that i have a one-track mind when it comes to music but it's just not the case
0: what do you mean by one-track mind
1: is then you know they'll hear me you know listening to either the the crazy metal that i listen to or the punk rock that i listen to and they'll think oh well this guy doesn't like breaking benjamin he just is an asshole who only listens to obscure music that has to be like you know unlistenable for everybody and i'm like no i know i I, I listen to a lot of different stuff
0: i totally know how you feel yeah. I just don't like that music, that's that's
1: the main thing I don't like shitty music
0: Yeah, it's easy, I mean I don't know, yeah, it's weird when you, I know what you mean Like, you can't put your finger on it, you're just like I, I just know it's shitty <laughs> Like, And there's plenty of inoffensive stuff That I don't care about, that doesn't mean that I Hate it, <laughs> like But yeah, we're kind of getting uh, Ranty here, let's Yes <laughs> um, Well, alright, so Yeah, let's just uh, jump right in to Yankee hotel foxtrot we'll start with the first track of course let's hear a little bit of I am trying to break your heart take it from the it you so right when you said I've been was I- I think this is a great opener.
1: This I, is one of the best opening songs of all time.
0: Yeah, just with that weird little symbol that's kind of giving you the ding, 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 ding. I forget the name well, of that instrument.
1: It's not a. It's not a symbol. It's a Glockenspiel.
0: Well, oh, okay. it's some
1: sort of some sort of uh, uh, percussive instrument like bells or a xylophone, but it's. I'm pretty sure it's a glockenspiel.
0: Yeah, really chimy. Yeah. the
1: The thing that is surprising. Well, first of all, um, you know, now that I'm looking at the track listening, I am actually surprised. I I don't think I've ever realized that this song is seven minutes long.
0: <laughs> yeah, it really just flies by.
1: It flies by. It is a wonderful listen. It is. It doesn't drag at any point, and. Every part of it is so interesting that you uh, you don't feel bored by it.
0: Well, and I and I think lyrically everything's really interesting and just obscure enough to where it can kind of only or it can kind of be applied to whatever you want it to be applied to. I mean, you can wrap these lyrics around so many different situations in your life, just like feelings of loss, feelings of not having love. But um, what I like the most about the these lyrics, and it kind of sets up a theme for the rest of the album that I don't think is quite intentional at all, but this album is, all these lyrics are just like one-liner after one-liner after one-liner, and I mean that in a complimentary fashion.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, I, I, I think I had mentioned like uh, an album or two ago, um, the hardcore bands of the early aughts that would use almost poetic, nonsensical lyrics to kind of show how deep they were. Yes. Um, and, you know, it, it was, it, it, you know, seemed smart at the time, but now it kind of seems a little pretentious. There's some, I have, you know, some vibe of that going on, but these always have made more sense to me. I, I haven't had to, you know, I haven't had to sit there and go, oh, well, Jeff is trying to show us how smart he is. Even though you know some, there, there's like a line or two every so often where I'm like, "Ooh, yeah, he was really, uh, he was really reaching for that one."
0: Yeah, it's a really stream of consciousness almost. Like he was just kind of writing down things in a rhythm, and then he almost found a song later that matched these lyrics that he had written before he had any music to put them to.
1: Yeah, I can see that happening.
0: Especially this song, it's almost like a, a creative writing exercise gone completely right, lyrically.
1: Yeah. But um, um,
0: also what I really like is just, this song has three acts. The opening, with the really kind of spacey, kind of weird vibraphone sound you're getting, you know? Yeah. With uh, And then it kind of comes into those drums, just that... Uh, I don't know, I, I'm... I'm I'm having a hard time. I don't know musical terms, but what what are the drums doing there, John? What would that be called? A fill?
1: <laughs> yeah, that I mean that's a it's a it's it's not a standard beat. It really is just kind of a fill that's repeated cuz it's not your standard I don't think the song would have worked as a standard 4/4 straightforward beat. And I mean, this is a big part of why they ended up firing the drummer from the previous album, because Glenn Koch, uh, he was more um, able to fulfill Jeff Tweedy's vision. Um, I mean, I remember watching in uh, I Am Trying to Break Your Heart, the movie that was the essentially documentary about how this album was made. Jeff was saying that, you know, at first it was going to be a straightforward folk song. But they decided, you know, to, to screw with it, and it became what it is today. Which is great, because you know I, I think that this would have been really boring and not nearly the uh, musical touchstone that it is today.
0: Yeah, I feel you, I feel you. And especially the absolutely epic outro. With that oh, cello, yeah. that yeah. low cello that almost sounds like just like a booming foghorn. or or a cavalcade of tubas just all playing the same notes together just
1: (laughs) this song also has something that i mean even the best of concept albums don't have and that's foreshadowing i love the fact that they have a little bit of a song that comes down eight songs later popping up at the end there and it's not just you know like the, the usual thing is, is you start a riff here and then it gets brought back in later songs. This is just literally a piece of that song glued onto the end there. And it's so it, it's so perfect. It's so amazing. I, I, I can't I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall when they were having the conversation going, hey, why don't we go back to I'm trying to break your heart and, you know, put a little stanza in there.
0: Yeah, that's I really I really appreciate that. And it's something they kind of do a couple of times because it happens later at the end of Ashes of American Flags and I'm sure we'll get into talking about that transition because the whole transition between those two songs seemed to be kind of a breaking point between certain members of the band. Yeah. <laughs> do you have anything I else to say gonna... about I am trying to break your heart, John?
1: I, I saw them about three months or so after I got this album at uh, Bumbershoot. Um, we happened to be going to Bumbershoot. I, I, I don't know if you went to that one with us no. or
0: not. I never went to a Bumbershoot uh, with you guys.
1: Oh, okay. Um, I, I just remember it was like there was a bunch of us, and we were staying at Mike and Dana's apartment. And nobody wanted to go see Wilco with me. So I left, and I got there early, and I went and watched Wilco by myself. The thing that was really surprising to me was uh, little Glenny boy. While he was doing that that opening <clears> fill beat thing that we were just talking about, he's actually playing parts of those parts of the xylophone as he's doing it. He he does his fill, and then he has a mallet in hand, and he does the doo-doo-doo. I thought that that was brilliant. And it, I mean, it really, I I just thought that that was so cool that, you know, he could get that beat in on time and then still have time to do that little xylophone thing. That's all I wanted to say.
0: Yeah, the guy's amazing. And uh, his unconventional drumming style really benefits the rest of this album, as I'm sure we're going to continue to talk about. Uh, Yes. So why don't we uh, get in to the next song? This is Camera. And let's hear a little bit of that.
1: In my heart. My family, tell right, the
0: this is one of those songs that I'm like, how is this not a hit?
1: Yeah, I love this song.
0: How is uh, this not ruling VH1? You know what i
1: mean (laughs) yeah the the thing that i found odd about this album for all the hype around it there was really there was no hits from it there was really only one single that was released from it and then you know there was two songs that they get very rare um airplay on the XM radio stations that I listen to uh which are uh, alt nation and Sirius XMU every so often heavy metal drummer will like just uh, pop up there I don't know at the time if it was in he- more heavier rotation but none of these songs were on the end that they didn't get played on 107.7 which is a big that that's a big surefire sign that nothing it that an album isn't getting much radio play because it, if the end won't play it, there's no one else who's brave enough to do it.
0: Yeah, that was also at the point where the end was really switching. Like, Marco Collins had left, and it was really switching over to just all these, you know, just the shitty corporate rock station that it is today. Yeah, but, I,
1: well, to be fair, at that time, too, they were playing a lot of new Metal. Yeah. Um I don't know. I don't know what they play nowadays. Um, I know when I uh, the last time I was in the Seattle area, which was 2011, um, I listened to it for a little bit and it seemed to be, you know, more in uh, in touch with like the way it was in the late 90s, mid 90s when I used to listen to it. Yeah, I I would still think that someone would be like, hey, this album's got a lot of hype around it. We got to play a song or two from it and it, and it's surprising that this one didn't make it on there because they were still playing death cab for cutie and they were still playing um a bunch of other like
0: yeah but even weird death cab for cutie as, as 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 soft as it is you know as soft as they are as a band it's still a lot louder than this like i don't know it makes sense to me that this wasn't on the end but you know i figured adult contemporary radio like how was this not a hit? I don't
1: know. See, like I, I, I had thought about that too. Where would this fit in? I whatever man, plays Counting Crows
0: and up. and Train, you know, like bands like that. That's as much as I hate well, at, to the, at, say it, but if you're gonna say where would they belong on the radio, whatever stations playing that shit, like.
1: <laughs> yeah, but see, here's
0: the. It's thing. It's cooler that than that stuff, good, but.
1: Well, a good portion of time, The End was playing Counting Crows and Train.
0: <laughs> I don't think they ever went down the they, train hole, but definitely, yeah, yeah Counting Crows train, in the 90s. They
1: definitely, I mean, when, that's the only reason why even Mr. Jones was because The End played the fucking shit out of it. And then, you know, Dad and Mom heard it and they were just like, why don't you like this? This is wonderful music. Although my dad, if he hears this, he's probably going to get really angry. Um, Lumped him in with my mom and also uh, did that voice, because that's the voice I always do when I'm doing impressions of him, and he loves it. (laughs) But, yeah. um, I thought you were
0: about to say he's going to get mad at you for ripping on counting crows.
1: It's possible, but we both agree when we... (laughs) we both agreed when we saw them open for uh uh the who which was another that was a very odd pairing
0: well it's like Um, that's like the equivalent of like a comedian bringing a really unfunny comedian on the road so he can look super amazing afterwards (laughs) like you gotta admit that's probably what they did there they don't need to bring some young energetic band that's gonna kick ass they want to lull everybody into a sense of feeling like all right this is enough let's let's i want to i want to hear don't get fooled again
1: yeah i I mean i get it um speaking of that i right before riot fest um one of the local casinos sent me a uh, voucher for free tickets to see the counting crows when they played at mystic lake
0: when you got that when you got the tickets were you you like all (laughs) "Mm -hmm. oh yeah Uh uh-huh i'm going to the show now
1: no uh i canceled my plans to go to riot fest and i went right to the to see the crown of crows no i i was just like How i many don't crows even think i would have gone uh like 40. That's i don't think cool. i would have gone had i not already been planning on going to riot fest i did i've seen them once and i don't ever need to see them again
0: <laughs> hey man what if you wanted to take like a really loud nap <laughs> <laughs> I
1: just stay home and turn the TV on.
0: <laughs> um, we you were mentioning it, talking about the previous song, and it's going to come up a couple more times, I guarantee it. But the the documentary that is just totally a companion piece to this album. If you want to listen to this album and you like this album, you should watch the documentary. I am trying to break your heart by Sam Jones. It's one of the coolest music docs you will see ever. Like it's just super interesting a guy just went out to kind of film a band recording an album it's just kind of like an informative behind the scenes oh look at them at work and the band falls apart and gets dropped off their label all during the creation of this album and it's a remarkable thing that such quality came from such turmoil but uh in that movie there's an alternate version of camera that i absolutely love what do you feel do you know what i'm talking about it's really yeah, loud I've with a distorted the guitar and really bombastic it's just like the drums are instead of so straightforward it's just like a boom da da boom, da da. boom, and the guitar is yeah, super I, distorted I, I
1: mean, i've seen the movie um it's been a long time since i've seen it so i don't remember exactly what that that version sounded like um it's it w- only been a long time because of the fact that my copy got stolen i don't know about six months after i bought the thing shitty so yeah it was one of it was during the two weeks of hell where our apartment kept getting broken into
0: oh yeah that was fun
1: yeah lots of fun (laughs)
0: anyway i still remember uh, coming home and you guys being like where the fuck is the ps2 what the fuck, and I'm just like, I have no clue, I <laughs> I was like, I haven't yeah. been here, guys. <laughs> oh, and
1: then, I remember, yeah, it was a couple of weeks later. Don't say names,
0: because we know who did I got... it.
1: Yeah, well, of course. I, I'm sure he's dead by now, I mean, uh, someone with only... that kind of
0: <laughs> One can <kid> only help. <laughs> that guy tortured me anyway, in middle school, then he went on to do that to us, I truly hope that yeah, he's gone.
1: Yeah. Um, I I remember coming home with Zach one night after we had been drinking a lot. And I went walking into my room and I'm like, Zach, did you put my GameCube on my bed? Hey, where the fuck is all my shit? <laughs> like, <laughs> my PS2 was gone. Yeah, so he stole the PS2 from a you know f- from the living room, then he stole the PS2 from my bedroom the whole bunch of movies he must have really just been like ransacking the place because i don't think that he was looking and be like hmm Wilco's. i'm trying to break your heart this will get a lot of money down at the pawn shop
0: uh what a bastard anyway yeah
1: (laughs) anyway let's move on to radio cure
0: let's move on to radio Cure. speaking of words that begin with or phrases that begin with radio uh, this is yet another album that we're doing that is kind of being compared to o- America's answer to OK Computer. And it wasn't more... I just realized while talking about Camera that I Am Trying to Break Your Heart pretty much um, ends exactly like Karma Police with a really loud, high-pitched noise that you want to turn off right before it ends. <laughs> it's like you reach to go you know, switch yeah. it and then it's done. You're like, oh, I almost made it.
1: I forgot about the comparisons. I mean, I'm sure I even was like dude, you got to check this out. It's like an American OK computer. And even though, you know, like a few episodes ago when I said uh, that I didn't think Granddaddy Software Slump, I know I said that at some point back in those
0: days. like oh, yeah, probably.
1: Because it was the buzzwords that were being thrown around, and some of it held true.
0: Buzzwords but aren't I, all again, bad, man. It's just shorthand to kind of give somebody a really decent idea of how something is.
1: I, yeah, I get it. But anyway, let's let's move on to Radio Cure. Right?
0: About now. What a minimalist masterpiece this song is. This song made my jaw this drop song... when you showed it to me. I was just like, the... what? Lyrically, just sonically, just it's everything. Yeah, this song
1: <laughs> is the epitome of brilliance. I mean, I wish that I could write a song that is a 16th as good as this one. Um, the the funny thing about the song, well, cuz I, you know, when you had me tell my dad's story about getting the album before we even started into this, I was like, oh, I'm not going to have much to talk about with the song. But the funny thing about this song is this is a big part of the reason why I actually have bought this album like three times for various girlfriends that I've had (laughs) and given it to them as gifts. One, because I knew that they would love this song. But there's another reason that we'll get to later on. Also, okay, I kind tried of getting creeped this... out now. What?
0: <laughs> Another reason you'll tell oh, no, later no. on.
1: Yeah, it's it. It comes in a song that is about four songs away from this one.
0: Oh God! Uh, I know exactly... <laughs> you're a corny bastard. Anyway... I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. Anyway,
1: uh, I tried to show this to my most recent ex girlfriend and i thought that she would fall in love with this too and she didn't which was like one of probably like a thousand red flags that i should have read as you should not be with her because she's (laughs) awful
0: (laughs) (sighs) yeah i kind of have to agree with that (laughs) yeah
1: do you have anything else to say about this song other than it's amazing
0: i i it's one of my favorite songs of all time seriously like i I love it a lot. Yeah, that, I, well, and oh, song... what about the thing? How um, I remember that we were both mishearing the lyrics.
1: Uh, are you but, talking about? Uh... I,
0: I, we thought it originally, didn't we? It was we thought it was "distance has a way of making love," but it's really "distance has no way of making love understandable." Yeah. And it just yeah. it's weird that this song has gone through two different meanings for me.
1: Yeah, it, it, the way that it when when I cuz I remember that, you know, when we first listened to it and think that it was distance has a way, um it really does change the meaning once you realize that it ha- it says distance has no way of making love understandable.
0: Um, and then I and then I real it was just it, funny going through that change in in meaning to with such an important song for me because I kind of realized Oh, yeah, you're right. Why was I being so optimistic?
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: I was like, well, yeah, yeah, that makes way more sense. You're right. No, there's no know, way I think of making I, any of this understandable.
1: I think that I thought that that was like the glaring little spot of hope in an otherwise just heart wrenching and heartbreaking song.
0: But it's not. Um, it's just yeah, an illusion. No, I don't.
1: <laughs> Jeff Tweedy's just like, you know what? I'm gonna sing this oh certain way so you think that there's hope in this song, but fuck you, there's not.
0: <laughs> ah, what a great track. Yes. So let's, let's move on to the next song. A little nice straightforward Americana number called Jesus, etc. Let's hear a bit of uh,
1: one.
0: no, you're forgetting. Oh whoops, one. whoops, no, I'm forgetting on one. Oh my gosh it's war on war the next one's called war on war folks here's a little bit you know of war on well go ahead before i start the clip
1: i was gonna say that it it is funny to me that you uh forgot this song it's, it's like my it's least
0: favorite song on the album words. yeah and here's i was a, gonna say it's there's the a little bit of a forgettable
1: song on the album
0: yep here it is <laughs> Now lyrically, it's not so straightforward. Like it has some some cool imagery in there, but you're right. It is definitely the most forgettable song on the album. And honestly, on most playthroughs, I do skip this one. I just want to, yeah. I just want to get going with the rest of the album. And it's I don't uh, not like it. It's just in an album of gold medals. It's a silver. It's the only silver medal on this album. You know what I mean? I
1: should send you a picture of the notes I have on this song. I wrote least favorite song on album i like it (laughs) like like, i mean i was just i I didn't have much to say about it but i was just like i mean it is my least favorite song on the album but i mean i don't hate it either uh i do think it's weird that this was the only single that was released this was the Um, single yeah this was the official single from the album um, I thought it would have been Pop Kettle Black
0: because that's the song that comes up on uh, Pandora at our work more often than any other ones that happen to.
1: You. Yeah, I don't know um I don't know why. It's I mean that's what was listed on Wikipedia. Huh. Bad choice, guys. Um Yeah. God, there was something else I was gonna say about it, and I can't remember what that was.
0: Well, this album was recorded oh, before nine eleven, and maybe it was one of those weird decisions. Like, yeah, it'll be like the most sellable one because most pe- most of our fans, aren't down with the Iraq War or whatever's starting to happen. You know, because was it released as I a single guess. through non such? I'm I'm guessing because it never was released through Warner Brothers at all.
1: No, uh, I mean it was released. It was may 21st it i i i don't know i mean it doesn't make any sense to me but the one thing i was going to say about this is this song doesn't sound like it belongs on this album i think they probably tacked it on there for time you know worried about time constraints or you know making it the length of an album Mm -hmm. um it sounds like the b-side that you leave for the movie soundtrack after the album's released you know what i mean like after you release the album and it's a big hit, and then you know some movie comes up to you, you know. Movie I bet the song kicks ass live. It is okay. I mean, have you have you ever seen them? No. Oh, you haven't. No. Uh, um, I mean, it's it's fine. I know I've seen them play it live. I've seen them four times. Well, um, I, I
0: really I do really like the um, the kind of vibraphone. G- it kind of plays in the background I think that's a nice touch to the song but when the guitar is doing that really cool effect during the beginning and the end of the song that wow wow, wow, wow.
1: yeah I mean there's things to like about it but the fact I mean I, I I think this was Jeff Tweedy kind of saying, hey guys I wrote all the other for the album and this is what I have <laughs> and yeah. it, I mean there's a lot there's too much repeating for for Jeff Tweedy.
0: And it could be one of those songs that they just might think we like playing this. Like we like this song as a band it's going on here, even though it's not a perfect fit to everything else that's going on.
1: You know, I honestly, I I think this is, this is probably uh, the same kind of thing. Like, how another brick in the wall part two is for me you know where most people are like yeah i love pink floyd and then the brick in the wall part two is great song it's my favorite well it's the only song i've actually heard so uh never mind they're not really my favorite band (laughs) this uh, kind of feels like this that's how this song is for a lot of people where they could be like hey yeah you know i heard that wilco song war on war that's the only one that i've heard it's it's okay it's pretty good but to us we're kind of like yeah this is forgettable i i don't care about it
0: yeah so with that being said, why don't we uh, move on to the next song, which is almost equally as straightforward, but I find it much better. This is Jesus Etc. Let's hear a little bit of it.
1: You can come by anytime you want I'll be around You right about the stars
0: is a Now this song, along with the uh, ashes of American flags and uh, the cover of the album featuring the um those towers in Chicago. Oh, what are they called the, the, Did the we two Towers remember of- those towers? what did,
1: did we go by those towers when we were in chicago together
0: um no because they were way, way downtown i went and saw them uh when i was waiting when i had that huge layover and i was just hanging around in chicago the day after the fest with a bunch of turbo hugan people uh, i was well, i was i was going around downtown just walking and checking out everything and i and i made sure to like go over by them although i was dumb and i forgot to lay down and get a picture of them in the same from the yeah. same angle. But uh, yeah, those things combined have gotten a lot of people to relate this album to the attacks of September 11th, even though all this stuff was recorded and written before any of that happened. It's just kind of weird how so much of the imagery does match up, you know, with especially this block of songs with the song War on War and its subject matter. Then you have Jesus, etc. talking about the tall building shape voices escape singing sad sad songs like and then uh the cover of the album showing eerie. two towers and they're the two big prominent towers in chicago much like new york had their prominent two towers and then you have ashes of american flags which is just uh, we'll we'll talk about it but it's just dystopic yeah
1: um it yeah. is kind of weird but i mean the, these these situations happen where Someone, you know, someone writes a song, someone makes a movie, someone there was actually I think it was an God, I, I can't remember if it was an episode of the X-Files or if it was a show that never actually aired. But there was a show that was supposed to air um, right around September of 2001 um, that they ended up not airing because the plot was essentially someone steals airplanes and rams them into the tower yeah it, it is it's weird as you know there's also you know slayers album god hates us all came out on september 11th 2001 <laughs> um it, it there's a lot of weird coincidences that happen around that but you know if you have enough people making art you're going to have something that either uh resemble i mean cause everyone's doing that nowadays with the simpsons where they're like oh, the Simpsons predicted this, and the Simpsons predicted this. Well, I mean, they put out, what, 25 episodes a year.
0: The only one that truly fu- blew my mind is the Trump one. But I'm that thinking... That one
1: didn't even blow my mind, because but he's also, been running...
0: <laughs> also, no, part of me was thinking, like, oh, but somebody also knew he was going to come up to an escalator, so they are like, I got to get it at this angle, with this picture.
1: <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, eventually every, you know, people are going to predict things, you know, yeah. and this isn't, it, it isn't exactly what happened. It's just got a lot of imagery and it is, you know, the, the the poetic nature of the lyrics and the vague nature of them lend themselves to be about things that they may necessarily not have been when he was writing the song.
0: And it's one of so, the, that's one of the things that I think makes it really easy to, relate to this album like that is that vagueness is, is I don't know exactly yeah, what you're saying. saying sorry i kind of lost my train of thought there reading something <laughs> my <laughs> apologies okay. it was for the show though so
1: <laughs> other than that it's one of my favorite songs um of all time i mean i love this song it's a beautiful song and i think that the you know the chill vibe really suits everything well um it is a nice there there's you were talking about sections of like i am trying to break your heart and this album kind of has sections the first three and then you know the last one and these next two or this one and the next one it it all kind of has sections um and they're they work perfectly with each other although like i said i could have done without war on war but this is kind of the more somber section of everything anything else to say about it
0: uh no not really i would like to uh well yeah um no yeah let's move on to the next song and hear a little bit no, of, uh, t- no yeah no yet one of my favorite songs on this album this is ashes of American Flag. without a if I break my tongue, speaking of tomorrow,
1: how will it ever come, all my lies are always wishes,
0: yeah, this song is just beautiful, I would say, um, and and it's no discredit to Radio Cure for its sparse minimalism. But this song, I feel, is the most beautiful song on the album.
1: It is quite a beautiful album. It has one of my favorite lyrics of all time. Uh, the opening cash machine is blue and green with... uh um, yeah, 120s. You know versus, yeah. yeah. Really, you can make this about anything. It could be a sad guy who's going out to get a Diet Coke and, you know, cigarettes. It could be someone walking around after they lost their loved ones, you know, unsure what to do with themselves. So they're, they go out to the convenience store to buy a pack of smokes and, and a can of Coke.
0: Yeah. You can put the narrator in a lot of different places, but one thing that is for sure is that that narrator is alone.
1: Definitely. Uh, And this is something I think that, you know, I, I definitely have um, been there uh i i know the exact feelings that that i know i would
0: die if i could come back new who hasn't felt that
1: well exactly um i just didn't want to speak for you just in case you were like john i don't know what you're talking about i've lived a very happy and fulfilling life and then (laughs) i'd be like do i even know you
0: (sighs) (laughs) and then i also what goes into that line that just all my lies are always wishes yes there's something like deeply pathetic and relatable like that that statement is just relates to the most pathetic side of being a human
1: you know i honestly i don't i'm not even sure if i know exactly what that means but it sounds like something i've probably said
0: you don't like all your all your lies are always wishes
1: i mean well i guess you know i i guess it's making more sense to me now that you've said it to me but like while i was singing i was always like does that even make sense but yeah you know when you say something you're wishing that it was true even if you're lying about it
0: yeah i kind of feel like it's like i I, you know it could be something as simple like hey man how you been oh i've been really good lately yeah my lie is a wish yeah you know i wish i I, was doing well so i'm gonna lie about it you know like it's
1: I don't think I've ever really given it too much of thought. um I just knew that I always liked the way that
0: the lyrics flew. You know, well,
1: it's is the word
0: I'm looking for. They flow together. There's, there's. Yeah,
1: flow. I, I kept, I kept wanting to say "flu." I'm like, <laughs> they... no,
0: no. <laughs> well, and this is another song that's just full of fucking one-liners. Exactly. Like it's it's so... and,
1: and again that's why I mean you know as soon as people heard this they were like oh my god he's. Re- The twin tower you know because when you have something that it's not necessarily congruent you can make your make what you want it to be about
0: yeah and the ashes of american flags i would like to salute the ashes of american flags that line could mean so much especially in the wake of 9 11 how could it that's one line oh. that definitely how could that not take on another meeting afterwards? Like I'm not saying you know, again, I'm not saying that, oh yeah, it's about that. No, no, no. I know I know how time works. But
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, but when, you, when we get done, you can, you, can you explain to me how time works? Because I have no idea.
0: <laughs> Hair grow grayer, age grow older, balls get lower. That's how time works. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right anything else you need to say about this
0: well the uh the outro of this song was a huge contention or point of contention between um uh, the two kind of head songwriters of the band uh jeff Tweedy and jay bennett the who is now or i should say the late jay bennett it actually this is kind of the argument that was seems like it was the straw on the camel's back over uh tension that Jeff and Jay were feeling in the band, and Jay ended up leaving the band before this album was totally done.
1: uh well. Or was it totally was done? Fired. No, I I think he was fired.
0: Was he fired? Okay, he left. You're right. Yeah, he yeah. was. He did not they just, leave. Yeah, they, on his... they got him out of yeah. there.
1: The the thing that is sad about that, and I I wanted to say this. It um, is
0: sad when you're watching it because you see that moment when Jay tries to ice it over and bring up some old tour story and Jeff's just like, yeah, I'm not. You just see two people that have done so much together. You literally see kind of the moment where it just is like, yeah, this is done.
1: Yeah. and it, it, Yeah. I, I, I still think that Jeff Tweedy was a dick about the whole thing. Um,
0: yeah. It just seems it like, means- I don't know, man, with. I kind of get it because there can be only one, you know, (laughs) when it comes to two strong personalities and somebody that's as strongly creative as Jeff Tweedy. Yeah, I think he was a dick, but it doesn't surprise me that that happened, especially with an album as out there and all over the place. Jeff just kind of seemed like he kind of wanted it to happen. And Jay couldn't stand that like not to not to his discredit him, but that's just not the way he worked. It's like no, we need to talk this yeah. through and figure out how this goes. And Jeff's like, I don't care. Just I just want it to go. Can you just go? I don't want to just make it. <laughs> just make the thing. Well, let's talk about making the thing. <laughs> I don't want to talk about making the thing. I already made my things. You finish it.
1: I I will say this because I I don't know if we'll ever if I'll ever get another chance. I'm thinking about it. I think that Jay Bennett leaving the band actually really hurt them in the long run because Honestly and personally, I think Jeff had about one and a half more good albums left in it. The album that came after this, Ghost is Born, is a fantastic masterpiece. Um, It's on par with how good Yankee Hotel Foxtrot is. And about half of Sky Blue Sky is decent. And I really like Star Wars after that. I know you do i really i could not give a shit less about the rest of the albums that they put out wow really i think i think that that you know jay bennett getting forced out of the band really damaged the sound that they had created you know they weren't they didn't put out another album that sounded like this um that was as interesting that had the same sonic qualities that this one did and after Sky, Blue Sky, it really just became Jeff Tweedy's Boring Folk Songs. Uh, there's one song, and I can't remember what album it was on, but it was like an album or two after Sky, Blue Sky. The first song in it, on it is really good. And th- I listened to the rest of it, and I was just like, this is... I never listened to the rest of it again. Um, and then I do have Schmilko in my library. I skip every, I skip every song that comes on. So, yeah, I I just have Yeesh. no. Yeah,
0: I have. I didn't know you dropped off that say. hard.
1: Oh, I dropped off hard.
0: God damn.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. But um um
0: yeah, so this album starts or this song's rather ends with a little bit of the next song. It's it's re- it sounds really cool. It's almost like a drum machine almost Start oh no, that's the beginning of the song. The piano plays wait, at wait. the end of Ashes and American Flags, right? As as the Ashes is falling out and it's doing all that noisy stuff, you hear the piano chime in with the lead melody of heavy metal drummer. Yeah. Um And then the song starts with the broken sounding No, machine. no,
1: actually the the um it ends with the the melody from the beginning of Ashes and American Flags. I don't think it. I don't think it, um, actually pre- preludes to Heavy Metal Drummer.
0: No, it does. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah.
1: I guess maybe I, I thought that that was the-, the melody line from...
0: Oh, no, that's anxious. the that's the melody line of Heavy Metal Drummer. And it's great because it no. sounds all shitty and broken and discordant, and then the next song is like, okay, start the drum machine over and then it just well let's let's hear that right now let's hear a little bit of heavy metal drummer i'm gonna start this one off a little loud instead of fading up to it we'll just get right into the intro because i love it so much John, tell me uh, how much you love this song and how much you think it's about you.
1: <laughs> I love this song. I don't think it's about me. But people I know have told me that it that reminds me. It definitely reminds of me. Um, but this was also the reason why I would buy this album for uh, you know certain girlfriends, because there was a song on there about a drummer and how this girl fell in love with him. And you know, I I thought it was cute. I mean, you may say it's corny, but whatever. I'm sure there's other drummers who have done it too.
0: It, I mean, it's a it's a great song and it's the one point of I don't know. Well, you you know, I was going to say it's the one positive point on this album, but it's these next it's this song and the next two that are the the ray of hope on this album, I feel like. Yes. Yeah, but this song I mean, really it, starts it, this... it off, it's almost just like a novelty song. Like it's it's yeah, it uh... sounds like like if 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 fucking Zebrahead or something or or Bowling for Soup would have wrote this song, I, I would hate it. It could have been the same song, and I've just been, what is this? Yeah it... I meant lyrically, I guess. If it was the same song lyrically, and one of those bands did it, I would hate it. But there's something that with Wilco just makes this cheesy kind of one-off song just totally work is one of the greatest points on the album
1: well and and this is usually the song that i hear if i hear them on the rape. this one and the next song it was funny because right when we saw them uh you weren't there oh wait you you definitely weren't there um uh, but we um we saw them i saw them twice in one weekend Uh, It had to have been 2000, was it 2003 or 2004? Um, Should have looked that one up, but uh, it was, I I thought it was after Ghost is Born was released, but they went on tour with R.E.M., and maybe it might have been 2004. And when they went on tour with R.E.M., they played in Canada, so I saw them there, and I saw them in Seattle at Bumbershoot. I remember Jen Turner was there with um, Tony, the one who played in The Lonely Forest. Okay. And, me and me and Jen Turner had, uh, I, I, I had uh, a weird history with her. And uh, I remember running into her at the show. She was talking about, she did not take this band seriously. She said, I love his cheesy love songs. And I'm like, this is off of one of the greatest albums of all time. I mean, it had only been out for like a year or two at this point. I was like, how how can you sit there and say, oh, they're cheesy love song? I don't know. I mean, some people, I guess people are allowed to have their opinions, but.
0: Heavy Metal Drummer is kind of a cheesy song. I mean, like I said, it has that novelty quality to it
1: it does it does and it is a cheesy song in it i think it was definitely meant to be like the sugary sweet moment in an album uh that heretofore had been pretty dark and depressing
0: yeah and i mean and the um, album needed it it's I, I think it's completely necessary to the flow of the album to have this
1: awesome well and, and it's also brilliant in how they did it when they you know transitioned from ashes of american flags but I wouldn't just be like, oh, you know, that's all Wilco is, is cheesy love songs. No. I, I, it's still stuck in my head, you know, hearing her say that. And I was like, "That you you were taking one song and blanketing the whole band with it, you know?
0: Yeah, that's... It,
1: it, it was just weird to me.
0: Yeah, no, I feel you. I, I can see how that frustrated you a lot, <laughs> knowing you.
1: Especially, like I said, since that was a song that, you know, girls that liked me would love because they love heavy metal. (laughs)
0: Uh, You're such a cornball. I love it. (laughs) But uh, anyway, speaking of um, me being a man and uh, loving you, let's listen to a bit of the next song. uh, Another one of my favorites. This is I'm the man that loves you. And uh, let's hear a little bit of that. I'm glad I started the clip right there because I started it right at the guitar solo, which is my second favorite part of the song. And I just love how it's one of those messy sloppy fuzzy but totally fits guitar solos like it's really um who, who what's a good compare who's a guitar, guitar player who's a good comparison to uh well maybe like
1: when, when i've heard a Thurston lot of Moore-ish type of well yeah i mean a lot of Tweedy's guitar solos are very reminiscent of um you know guitar solos that you would hear in like the velvet underground Yes, it, yeah. it, you know he's, It's definitely very influenced by that style, you know, not necessarily like in key or you know very fancy, but very emotive. Almost. There,
0: we, emotive. Thank you. I was trying to figure out. Yes, it's emotive. It doesn't sound like it's not the cleanest thing in the world, but I don't know. It just I feel it, and I'm not one who feels guitar solos too often. <laughs> where i'm just like yeah Um, but this one i just i just want to like right along with it air guitar style it just makes me want to make john mayer faces and play air guitar (laughs) and i absolutely Uh, love the lyrics this is another nice light and fluffy kind of love song but it just it's so it's it's such a statement to the person he's singing it to you know what i mean like, it's just so... Well, yeah. Like, he's just line after line after line, you know, like...
1: Yeah, it, it does feel like someone reading a uh, a love letter.
0: Uh, yeah, and it's just... and it, Well, it is, the way I started writing this letter to you. Yeah. And uh, just how, um, how... The chorus is perfect. I just love singing it. Like, I, I catch myself singing this song kind of more than any other song I would feel on this um album. Well, maybe this one and the next one, but just the... Uh, if I could, you know, I would just hold your hand and you'd understand I'm the man that loves you. It's just, there's something so fun about it, and especially when they get to the end of the song where they kind of do it in a, you know, in a refrain over and over again, and then it builds to having the trumpets. You yes. You know? Oh, oh that yeah. is just especially so when epic. it
1: comes in with the trumpets. I think that this is the best Beatles song not written by the Beatles.
0: <laughs> there, yeah, it does have kind of that bouncy Beatles vibe to it, doesn't it? That's what I was trying it, it, to say with the lyrics. It pretty
1: much only has the bouncy Beatles vibe.
0: There, da, there's Yeah, that's
1: I mean, he could have just been like, I am the walrus.
0: A cuckoo kachoo. I'm in Wilco. This is not a Beatles song. Drums. Uh, yeah. I got blisters on my fingers! I wrote a song about an octopus. Oh look, there's a hole in me pocket. That's the best line in Yellow Submarine. <laughs> so fucking funny. Uh.
1: <laughs> Wait, that was in Yellow Submarine?
0: Yeah, there's a part where they like go to the place with all the holes, and then Ringo picks one up and he's like, Oh look, I've got a hole in me pocket. And he puts it in his pocket. <laughs>
1: I always... I, I guess I thought that that was a line from The Simpsons. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it probably is. It sounds like... <laughs> what is it? It,
1: <laughs> it sounds like it would be in The Simpsons. It sounds like that... that would You know, because they had a lot of Beatles references in there. Um, anyway, uh, great song.
0: Love yeah. it. Not too much to say about it. It's just really good, and it's fun to sing along with, and... I You know, I, I swear to God, if I had more friends that were, like, super into this album, I'd probably own a, an acoustic guitar with the express purpose of having sing-alongs with this at parties. And I hate yeah. that shit. I hate that. Whenever somebody <laughs> brings out a guitar at a party, I just want to go full Belushi Animal House on them. It's like, what are you doing?
1: Yeah. Stop. I have to say, too, that I'm surprised that this hasn't been in more weddings. Like, I, I think that if I ever get married um You know, after all the hoops I have to go through to, you know, actually get married, this would be like the song. Yeah,
0: like finding somebody that likes ever. you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like finding someone who likes me. <laughs> that would be the biggest hoop of them all. And ironically, or not ironically, strangely, it is the it's the worst of them. It's the hardest. <laughs> uh, anyway, on to the next song.
0: Next song. This one's an amazing one as well. This block of twos, or the, you know, I we were talking about heavy metal drummer. I'm the man that loves you, and this song Pot Kettle Black is being kind of like the three most positive songs on the album, and they kind of fit in their own little block, as do the other songs on this album. Yes, but I will say, I'm the man that loves you to Pot Kettle Black to Poor Places. That's my favorite part of this album. Like yes, it, it, it hits is. it hits every note on this that this album kind of hits. For me, within these three songs. Uh, but oh, yeah, definitely. before I, we get talking more, let's hear a little bit of kettle Black." Every moment's a little bit later. Well, the the thing I can't about... help but sing along to that part. I'm sorry, everybody out there. I just this this song, God, this whole album, but this song. I I keep on saying this about these songs, but man, this song is just so good in every part. Like it has such weird percussion. In the, the, it, like, this so, goes so to much further
1: my talking. point from earlier about how War on War could have they could have done without War on War. Because they already had a a better warrant, and that's Pop Kettle Black. It does seem to follow the same kind of musical notes, but it does it so much better, and the lyrics are so much better on Pop Kettle Black, and it's so much more emotional.
0: Yeah, there's something that just I I I just absolutely love this song. I mean, every, it, moments, it every like... moment's a little bit later. There's more like just super prolific one liners on this album. There's another one.
1: Yeah. Well, it's almost I, like I almost imagine them sitting in the studio. Hey, uh, we already did this song. It's called War on War, but then Jeff Tweedy's like, we're going to do it better. <laughs> and then it became Pot Kettle Black. And uh, I don't know. I, I really wish that they wouldn't have put War on War here.
0: <laughs> well i'm glad that we agree with the weak point of the album i was kind of yeah i was kind of afraid you were going to be like what when i said that i really didn't like that song and then well when, you know when you when you started saying well it's kind of funny that you skipped it and i was like oh he feels the same way i do i just know <laughs> at,
1: at some point we need to stop agreeing so much because otherwise people are going to get bored and they're gonna be like Throw something at each other. Talk some shit. Uh-huh. Call the other one
0: ugly. Oh, that's happening soon. No, no. The next, my next, not this next one we're going to do, because that's your pick. My next pick. It's going to be an uphill climb for me, but I'm ready for it. But, Sounds um, good to me. Hot Kettle Black. Um, This should have been the single on the album. I don't know. This yeah. song, like, it, it has that catchy chorus with the repeatable line. Every moment's a little bit later. I don't know. It's just... It's, uh, you know, it's just constantly a damn shame how this album and its lyrics aren't, like, household things. I feel. Like, every time I have to show somebody this album and they have never heard it, I'm, like, just kind of... I'm happy that I'm showing it to them, but I'm kind of disappointed, like, how do so few people know how good this is? That I come across that I seem to have like common musical interests with, you know.
1: Well, and the the thing about this album is is that it's their best selling album, but still I don't think it actually broke gold. I think it sits at about four hundred and eighty thousand.
0: They're like the biggest band that isn't that big of a band.
1: Exactly. I mean When I mention Wilco, people know who I'm talking about, but they they can't, they're not just like sitting there going, oh, yeah, and Yankee Hotel Foxtrot is amazing. They're just like, yeah, I heard some hipster say that word one time. And I'm like,
0: (laughs) weird. This is like a, that's a weird sentence, (laughs) you know? Yeah. But uh, do you have anything else to say about Hot Kettle Black? I do not. Let's go on to the, uh, the surrogate last song on the album let's hear a little bit of the epic four places here's a piece of that So I can't tell you how much this song just embodies almost every feeling that I've had that I went through living in our first apartment because it was a fucking, yeah it was a poor place <laughs> <laughs> definitely was it was something uh, else like if 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 old had a project we lived in it like it was
1: very true it
0: was no good
1: the thing about this song i don't i I don't know why i didn't think about this until now um i should have brought it up earlier when i was talking about you know how i got into this album but my dad played me radio cure and then he played me poor places and poor places i think was actually what really sealed the deal of me buying the album this is not only my favorite song on the album but it's my favorite song of all time or favorite wilco song of all time no matter how many times i listen to this i still get the chills when he goes you know when he says uh the first time when it's hot in the poor places tonight i'm not going outside Mm -hmm. and then the little guitar riff that happens afterwards
0: yeah, with the how, with the, the little uh, what is that like a vibraphone kind of keyboard going along with it?
1: Oh, uh, it's, it's more do like do just like do a, do, 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 I think that's just do do. a guitar, actually. No, it's both. Oh, for sure. Um,
0: Undo but uh,
1: yeah, when when the piano line comes in and everything starts, you know, really, it's almost like it starts swirling around your head um yeah well it starts off with
0: that with that um that i, I I'm, I'm you're gonna be able to per, you're gonna know what i'm talking about but that dong don, just that low piano just beat it yeah. brings you into the last yeah. bit of the song that reminds me of the who for some reason and i cannot place uh, what about the who it reminds me of
1: i think it's Bob o'reilly no
0: it's not that that's the thing are you sure? Mhm. Uh
1: I mean when when you brought that up, I mean the first thing I thought of was the uh the the opening power chords and um Yeah, Bob that's O'Reilly. so
0: that's so light and pretty and this is it's what Wilco's doing here is so deep and
1: No, no, I'm it talking almost sounds about like, like the way that the the guitar comes in when it goes bam
0: No, that's not it. Oh, well, it, can, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but it I just, have no idea. But uh, have you ever listened to this song on headphones? I have. Oh, what a,
1: times.
0: what a trip it is with that piano going back and forth from the left to right speakers. Because when you listen to it with both the speakers in front of you, you just hear this really beautiful. If you listen to it on headphones, each note is alternating between the left and the right speakers, and it is the coolest and weirdest, most, and it makes it sound from completely beautiful to almost misplaced and broken. Like there's, it's, it's wow. so cool. Like I, hmm. it, it was like hearing the song in a new light when I listened to it on headphones for the first time, which hmm. makes those one of those songs that's kind of impossible to listen to with just one earphone in. Yeah,
1: well, I guess for do that a long much time, time so. that's, that's what I, I've had, you know, when I've listened to this song, I mean, for 11 years I worked at Target, and most of my music listening was done while I was at Target. Yeah. So I was listening with one earbud in, almost exclusively. Um, I never even thought about that.
0: Yeah, and remember I tried to show my dad this song. And it was one of the you know me and him never really got along, but um yeah he he didn't really care either way, one way or another, and I remember being super disappointed because the song meant so much to me, and I'm like, he's gonna get it, he's gonna hear these lyrics, he's gonna get it, and no I don't even think he ever actually listened to it., I yeah. read him the lyrics oh, that's and I probably like, gotta check this out, and I don't think he ever did because I never heard anything about it
1: yeah he, he probably didn't because i i can't imagine someone i mean that isn't my ex-girlfriend listening to the song and being like saying anything other than this is one of the most amazing most amazing pieces of music ever written
0: now yeah, it's it's there's something else and just the uh and just that that ending refrain of those weird radio call letters the yankee hotel boxtrot gives this album such a... I mean, it stays grounded in Earth, but it has just such an alien feel to it, and that's about as weird as it gets. Like, it really crescendos with the end of this song. Yeah, for the
1: longest time, I thought this was the ending of this album.
0: (laughs) Well, it could. How could you not? How could... It should, in all honesties, but they don't, and they have a great as... here's, Here's the trope, take a drink. Tannis is referring to the last track on an album as the closing credits. But um, yeah, fucking, it's yeah, it it should be it, by all rights it should be, but then for some reason they figure out an even better way to do it with the next song reservations. Um, but before we get too into the last song, there one more thing about this song. Um, it ends with that refrain of the album's letters, which is radio speak for YHF Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Um, yeah. So I played this uh, space simulator game called Elite Dangerous for a while, and it's pretty mm-hmm. in depth. Like it's it's more it's more it has more akin to to truck driving than it does to Star Wars. So it's really slow paced, and you know you have to ask docking permission to get into starports, and you have to do it within a speed limit, and you know it's very quote unquote realistic or whatever. But one of the things you could do mm-hmm. on that game is. Um, I noticed that I was always called Sierra Whiskey Alpha, and I never understood why. Until I realized, oh, those are the first three letters of my Xbox gamer tag. And then somebody told me, yeah, you can assign your ship call letters, and it'll, and you can have it selected to call you by the call letters. So you better believe the first thing I did was set my call letters to YHF. So now every time when I dock, it's like <laughs> it's like DeLacy, Yankee, Hotel, Foxtrot. Cleared to dock. Like, <laughs> that's and, awesome. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I've been meaning to tell you that for a while, and I'm glad I waited till now. <laughs> yeah, and especially there, than... there is a British woman as one of the voices of the spaceport people, and it's obviously the best when she says it, because it yeah. sounds almost exactly like the album. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's awesome. Alright. Um, do you have anything else to say about Four Places, John?
1: Nope. We can move on.
0: Let's move right on to the last song on Yankee Ho, Hotel Foxtrot. A beautiful closing number called Reservation. And this is uh this is a great song. It's the longest song on the album. And Despite Poor Places being the logical and seemingly perfect place to stop this album, Reservations actually is.
1: Well, I I mean, I vote that we actually call Poor Places the ender and then refer to this as the epilogue.
0: Okay. Yeah, okay. And this is, yeah, okay. I, no, no, I, I agree with you on that. Let's call yeah. this the epilogue. Yeah, like I was saying before, it's the ending credits song. It's the what? The ending credits song.
1: Yeah, except this, I, I would feel like this is actually what comes after the credits. Like, you know, it, it I don't know. It, it, it I still have trouble with the fact that it doesn't end on poor places i do like this song um and i mean talk about lyrics this probably has some of the most relatable for me lyrics on there um well
0: and it's like the only song on the album that i feel like he's really figured out what he's been trying to say the whole time
1: he's figured out what
0: well, okay, so so many lyrics on this album are really abstract, and there's lots of strange imagery and things that don't make total sense. You know, a lot of a lot of vague things that are left up to an interpretation, which is totally a strong yeah. point of this album. And this is the only song that I feel like he stripped any of that away, and he's just like, "Yeah, here's this is the
1: only one that that really me. is straightforward," and. Doesn't hide behind some pretense and doesn't, yeah, you know, you know it, it doesn't use a lot of visualization. And you can't interpret this song any other way.
0: Yeah. And it's like he finally gets to his point. He's like, simply put, like, I've tried to say all these things all this different way, but I got, I got reservations about so many things, but not about you. Do you understand now? <laughs>
1: like, I mean, it is, it really is a great love song. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, I think it's
0: just great. And I love how it kind of breaks down towards the middle. There's like a tiny bit of like soft bongo and lots of weird synthesizers and strange percussive noise going on. It just... I don't know. It's its just a beautiful cacophony and then it, then it shapes up again before it actually finishes. And like, falls yeah. apart and comes back together and I don't know. I just feel like this is perfect after Poor Places, because if Poor Places would have ended the way it was, there would have been something about this album that would have left me feeling high and dry. It would have been a great closer and a great way to end it, but this is kind of the song that's like, and now we're done. Well,
1: you know, I, I, I don't know. And
0: after Poor Places, I, I needed def- it to be told, now we're done. Okay. Oh, okay.
1: All yeah. Right. I mean, it's not like I'm saying that this song shouldn't be on the album. I mean, it's a great song yes uh it's not like war on war where but it you know i could have left war on war off the album and been happy if i had never heard it before there i don't think there would have been anything that i missed i feel you but you know maybe i don't know i i almost feel like but it doesn't the way i've looked at it it doesn't work to flip poor places and, and reservations either no So that's why, I mean, you know, I just look at this as the epilogue. um, a, A sad, nice love song. And that's about all I have to say about that.
0: Yeah, if I could make a super nerdy comparison, it's almost like Poor Places is like, in Lord of the Rings, it's like Poor Places crescendos. And that's Frodo dropping the ring into the mountain. And then good guys win. And then reservations is kind of almost the note of like, okay, and then here's how they get home. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I I can see it. Yeah. It's it's a necessary but slower part of the journey. But yeah, that's what an epilogue kind of is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess we're in so many certain terms. We're agreeing with each other yet again. Who would have (laughs) thought? So that, do you have anything else to say about reservations or the album Yankee Hotel Foxtrot? By Wilco
1: i I think I've said everything that I have to say about it amazing album been a huge part of my life for a very long time,
0: yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more if you haven't heard this yeah. album, you owe it to yourself to go listen to it.
1: yep, yeah, that's pretty much what I was gonna say.
0: oh, and then if you want a real treat, um I also suggest picking up the Wilco double live album kicking television because the 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 uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot versions or uh, the live versions of the Yankee Hotel Foxtrot songs that are on that double live album are simply amazing. And it'll give you a great look into, you know, a little more of Wilco's catalog without going past A Ghost is Born. So it's, yeah, it's all Ghost is Born and Before material. It's one of my favorite live albums of all time. So make sure you check that out. Oh,
1: it's a great live album.
0: No, it's, so. But um all right, John. Well, that brings us to a close with talking about Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. We finally got it in the bag. Thank God mm-hmm. we did it. The curse is lifted. <laughs> <laughs> um, so John, um yes. this this isn't coming as a surprise to me because we did talk about it before the podcast, but why don't you let the listeners know what you chose uh, as the next album we will be talking about?
1: I chose To talk about the 2011 masterpiece from the Black Lips, Arabian Mountain.
0: Yes. I am so excited to talk about that album. The ins and outs, the ups and the downs.
1: It's a fantastic album. It's fun all around. And I can't wait to talk about it with you either.
0: Hells yes. So you heard it, listeners. There's your next assignment. Go listen to Black Lips, Arabia Mountain. Come back to our next episode, and we'll talk to you about it. And well, I think that is it for us. So uh, signing off. Uh, I'm Tana Scale, and you are.
1: I am John Brummer,
0: <laughs> and we will we will see you all later. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. He's still there.